Tura Lura Lou, that's an Irish lullaby. How's it going, everybody? You're very welcome to Tura Lura, the podcast with myself and Christian Dugstad over in Oslo, exploring folk songs. Woohoo! How are we getting on today, Christian? We're not doing too bad. Just sitting here watching the sun. It's amazing that we're actually getting close to summer. And it's both, like, it's making me happy because it's, it means that we're going to get good weather, which means we're going to be more outside, which is uh, really needed in, in these hard times. But at the same time, it's constantly reminding me how long it's been in this uh, condition. That's actually a great pibroch, a traditional pipe uh, tune called Too Long in This Condition. And it really <laughs> applies to how I'm feeling right now. Poor old KD there is getting very nostalgic and emotional and poetic. In his old age. His old age of 28. It's tough yeah. times, isn't it, Christian? It is tough times. It is tough times. But hopefully we'll be back playing music out and about, meeting people, travelling the world in no time. <laughs> any gigs going, lads? If there's any gigs going, send us a message. We're, we're ready and willing to travel. Let us out. <laughs> I'll be there in the morning. Book me a flight. Oh, but regardless of all that, you're very welcome to the show, to what is, I think, episode six or seven? Six. 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 Episode six of Tour Allura. We're driving on, Bigod, and we have a special one here for you today, because even we're feeling a little bit nostalgic at the moment. We're going all the way back to what I am going to estimate was November 2020 when this idea was first being conceived and the podcast was in its early days and we decided to record our first trial episode and we're brave enough now to pull it out of the woodwork and let you all hear it here today. We have a couple of trial runs before this of a great song Bound for Caledonia. Not so great recordings. We probably will never show them to the public unless... We could release a little bit of it as a little Easter egg if we get enough reviews, you know. Yeah. You have to offer these rewards. If we if we look after... If you look after us, we'll look after you. You know how it is. Where can people find us? Well, let me tell you. There's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's gmail.com, touralorapodcast at gmail.com to be precise. There's every single streaming platform you could possibly think of. There's Spotify, there's Apple Podcasts, there's Google Podcasts, there's Podbean, there's Podcatcher. There's all other types of pod things that I wouldn't even know or hear about that we are available to listen to on. So yeah, we're further than we even realise and we're there for the taking. So if you want to listen in and listen to us talking shite, it's a little bit less shite than we were talking in the episode of Bomb for Caledonia that Christian's talking about. But we're getting there slowly but surely and we're on the road to enlightenment and you'll hear just how far we've come, I think, when you hear this first short episode that we worked on. Yeah. If you have any ideas or thoughts on this episode or on songs or topics that you want us to talk about, make sure to go into that email address that Josh just mentioned. Give us a, a, a reprise there. 
That is podcast at gmail.com. And as I always say, there's two O's in Tura, two O's in Lura. We're not ghosts, but you have to get that ooh in there all the same. <laughs> you can also slide into our DM, that's at Tura podcast, Or you can find us on Facebook, like we mentioned, that's also Tura Lura. And do not confuse us with the children's clothing brand from America called Tura Lura. We're... Who I'm sure are lovely people as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We, uh, well, we don't know them. They they might not be, but we expect that anyone that calls anything to Ralura has a great sense of humour and are just in general legends. So yeah, folks, if you close your eyes, we're going to take you back six-ish months to the early days of Turalura with KD and J-Dog and... We were talking about a very interesting song that's very famous all around the world and you will hear it anywhere you go and there's requests anywhere you go and the topics that we came up with in this one are fairly interesting, if I do say so myself. So, without further ado, let's delve in. Christian, set the scene. The sweet, smoky smell of burning turf filled the large sitting room of the Finnegan household. The sound of the hearth mixed in with the chatter and the plucking of a mandolin playing a melancholic melody. The tea and cakes were all but gone. Many hours had passed since Mrs Finnegan first brought them out. Now she was carrying an ornate tray of pipes, tobacco and whiskey punch. Not that anyone really needed it. If you had strolled down Walken Street that night and looked through the window, there would not have been a single molecule of doubt in your mind that plenty of alcohol had already been consumed. People were enthusiastically engaging in their conversations, sitting in groups along the walls of the room, and in the middle, centre stage, was the star of the show, the protagonist of the story, Tim Finnegan himself, lying, dead, in an open casket. And honestly, what a stupid way to die. The bastard of a hod-carrying drunk had broken his skull falling from his ladder. And all his drunk friends were now gathered around him, partaking in his favourite activity, drinking. It must have been pretty late at this point. People were getting a little bit rowdy. Biddy O'Brien had already been sobbing when she arrived at lunchtime and three mugs of hot whiskey and a nagging of potching hadn't really helped at all. She was getting on Paddy McGee's nerves and they were getting loud. Their discussion, something about Tim being a particularly clean and handsome corpse, had gained the attention of the entire room. And poor Maggie O'Connor put down her pint and walked over to them to try to calm them down. But Biddy got up and planted her fist in Maggie's face. We're talking right hook to the jaw, proper Conor McGregor style. Utter silence for a split second. Then complete chaos commenced. Glasses flew in every direction. Bottles were thrown at the walls, shattering. The booze streamed down into pools on the floor, mixing with the blood from split lips and broken noses. Had it gone on for very much longer, Tim Finnegan would not have been the only corpse in the room. But as if divine intervention, the brawl came to an abrupt end. Mickey Malone had thrown himself on top of a coffee table to avoid an airborne bottle of Greenspot whiskey. It missed him by an inch 
and instead hit the candelabra hanging directly above Tim. The whiskey sprayed in every direction, including on the dead body. Only he wasn't dead anymore. The pale man slowly opened his eyes, the back of his hand to his whiskey-drenched forehead licking his lips. Looking like something out of a vampire movie, he sat up in the coffin, looked around at the gaping congregation and said, Sandra Jesus Christ on a bicycle, what's all this? Did you think I was dead? Why do they call it Finnegan's Wake? If, if it was me, I would have called it Finnegan's Sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't know. <laughs> but they knew afterwards when the song was being written, I, I would have called it Finnegan's Sleep. It was more of a nap than anything else by the sounds of it. Oh, you don't want to put the punchline in the title of the song though, Josh. <laughs> true, true, true. You don't want to give too much away. So the song we're obviously talking about is the story of poor old Dublin man Tim Finnegan back in the early 1900s in County Dublin. And the big story about him being miraculously brought back to life by that good old Ishkabaha, the water of life, whiskey itself. The song was a very, very famous song that originated in America in the early 1900s. Actually, the late 1800s is the earliest known version. And it was arranged for piano and voice by John Durnell and published in New York in 1854 by a man called John J. Daly. And ever since then, it's been a pinnacle of many drunken nights out from Istanbul to Temple Bar. Christian, what's the first thing you think about when you hear this song? What the fuck is up with... Irish wakes. <laughs> Irish wakes. Obviously, I'm I'm not Irish, but I have uh, consumed extraordinary amounts of Irish and Ireland-related culture. We're talking films, movies, TV shows, balls, bags, hurlies, the whole lot. <laughs> yeah, the whole lot. So, so I'm familiar, but it is such an alien tradition. To the idea like of me. the wake. First of all, the idea of an open casket at home just is like it's m- so morbid to me to to have the dead body in the home or to, like it's it's just mm-hmm. completely different from something what- that absolutely terrified me as a child, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> like I, I grew up and if there was a death in the family or in the locality and everyone would go to the house and you're expected to go into the room and pay your respects to the body. I would not do that. I did not want to see a dead body for many, many years. On, like, until I absolutely had to, I was not going to do that. And even even so, like, the whole thing was, ah, Jesus, it's it's your granny. Why wouldn't you go in and say goodbye? You know? But, like, yeah, it's it's a strange one. I, I can see what you mean from the outside looking in. Like, it, it doesn't make full sense, but it's been a big, big thing in Irish tradition since time began as far as I know or as far as I'm concerned does it have anything to do with Catholicism or is it Ireland specific I don't know I I think that it probably originated with pagan times in Ireland and this whole idea of helping the dead soul cross over to the other side and keeping a company on its way if you know what I mean like there was a whole thing about the first night after someone dies you can't leave them alone. You can't let them leave their body and pass on alone. You have to be there by their side. So that there was tradition since the very beginning of oh, really? staying awake all night 
and staying awake with the body and sitting there watching it and telling stories about the person and reliving their life to be company for them as they pass on. And that's where it all started. And I don't know when alcohol got involved, but the whole, the big joke is why is it called awake when the body isn't awake, you know, but it's everyone else that's awake. We're all sitting there. We're awake. We're reminiscing. It's, it's, yeah, it's about remembering the person and just being there to accompany them to whatever comes next. I think it's a real old traditional Irish thing. (laughs) But when you put it that way, it actually sounds kind of romantic to be there to kind of push the dead person through the gates of heaven or it push push them or drag them or pull them drunk yeah. and half half crawling through the gates i think the big thing about awake is that it was a way to say goodbye like they even in the early 1900s in ireland when people started immigrating to america they at that time there was no correspondence with anyone in america like it wasn't an easy journey and when you're there you're there for life and um the people in the local villages at home used to host wakes for the person that was moving to America <laughs> because it was as if the person was dying and leaving. So there was always a big party. I can remember when, uh, well, I can't remember. It was before my time. Joe Cooley and Gort moved to America and there was one of the biggest, they said, from what I hear, it was one of the biggest trad music festivals known to man that ever happened in Ireland was Joe Cooley's wake. And he didn't die. He just moved away. It's like a celebration of life, I suppose, in the weirdest fucking way imaginable. Yeah, that's brilliant. Like, do you drink in every wake? Not necessarily. Like, it's a weird thing that happens when someone dies in Ireland. Like, the immediate thought is, oh shit, who's going to make the sandwiches? Like, that's literally the first (laughs) thing that enters people's minds. And the next door neighbour or the auntie is like, I'll make the sandwiches. And she makes 600 sandwiches and lays them out. Because everyone that comes is going to stay for a cuppa and a sandwich and they're going to have a chat and say, God, isn't it awful? He had his whole life ahead of him. And then they're going to drive on and they're going to do their thing. And one of the strangest things to me is the family, the close family and close friends are lined up close to the body. And every single person queues up outside the room and comes in and shakes their hand and shakes the next person's hand and shakes every hand in the row. And says, sorry for your trouble, sorry for your trouble. And keeps walking until they've reached the end of the line. And then they go out a different door. And then the next person comes. So the poor family has to sit there for an entire day, if not two days, of this happening. While everyone that ever knew that man or woman that died is entering the room, shaking hands, leaving. So it's no wonder they need a bit of drink, do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) What would you drink when you're feeling depressed? If you're asking what I would prefer drinking at a wake, that's a very important question. Because can you imagine if someone were handing out like glasses of Prosecco when you came into (laughs) wake? Like it wouldn't feel very right. The big drink now, in my experience, the big funeral drink is a cup of tea. Lately anyway. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've noticed, like you have the tea and the sandwiches all laid out. And it's only really the hardcore people that'll come in and go, oh, Jesus, wasn't he a great fella? Oh, God, give me a beer. I'll have to drink to him. And then they start that. But it does it does come later these days, whereas back in the day, I'd say there was a right old hoolie and there was probably tunes and fucking jumping around the place and all that kind of thing. But um, yeah, back to the song, I suppose. I want to know more about the characters. Who are the characters themselves? Because some of my favourite things about old Dublin are the characters that you find rambling around the place and you'd be guaranteed that in a place like the Liberties up there in Dublin 
you'd find some serious characters wandering around awake. We don't really know much about most of them but Tim Finnegan, the star of the show. And then there's mm-hmm. there's uh, Mrs. Finnegan, which the only thing we know about her is that she's um, probably good at organising wakes. So these are these are the old gossiping biddies that are coming in and they're drinking all day because it's free. Yeah. And and they're sitting around going, Oh Jesus, isn't it awful that he's gone? He could have been Pope. And exactly that is Biddy O'Brien began to cry, such a nice clean corpse <laughs> did you ever see? <laughs> only only from an Irish person would you hear something like that. So there's a big argument ensuing basically over the drink and over yeah. Your one saying such a nice clean corpse did you ever see and your man tells her to shut her gob. What kind of an argument would that even be? That's just the drink talking I'd say. Where where exactly is this walking street? Walking street I'm not 100% sure but I can imagine that it's somewhere in inner city Dublin. And inner city Dublin at that time was a really interesting place to be because it was just a whole traditional time when old old Dublin and the Dublin values came out and it was a real... Yeah, it's it's just, it's the pinnacle of what you would imagine the Molly Malone era of Dublin to be, if you know what I mean. <laughs> the working class people of Dublin and they like their jar, their sauce, their drink. The other thing on my <laughs> mind about this is, this this might not actually have taken place in Dublin. This could be an Irish funeral in somewhere like New York City at this time. Yeah, yeah. Walking Street, now I'm not saying it is and I don't have the entire facts, but Walking Street could very well be in America. Because they yeah. described Tim Finnegan as a gentleman Irish, mighty odd. And the gentleman Irish would have lived in America at that time. And they would have been working class Irish people. But he would have been slightly yeah. well-to-do compared to others if he was a gentleman Irish. And you would have got yeah. all the poorer class people coming in for the free sandwiches and tea. <laughs> the likes of Maggie O'Connor and especially Biddy O'Brien. He might have been a fickin' Ebenezer Scrooge kind of a character, you know. They could have been delighted he was gone. They could have come in to reap the benefits of the drink and the food. Just to point out, actually, to draw from the morbidity of what we've been talking about for the last few minutes, this song was written as a comedic song. Some of the most popular songs in America at this time were Irish-American comedic songs to be singing and laughing at in the drawing room. Ha <laughs> ha, look at that stupid Irish man that got drunk and fell off a ladder. Ha <laughs> ha, isn't it hilarious? Oh, jeez, he's after getting doused in whiskey and he's still alive. Look at that. But would you say that it's likely that it is written by an Irish person? It shows if it's not written by an Irish person, what kind of opinion did the person writing the song have on Irish people? It- if you know what it's I mean. extremely it's stereotypical. Extremely st- but isn't the notion of Ireland in America stereotypical to begin with? I suppose it is. So much of what they portray about us is stereotypical, but stereotypes begin somewhere and I'd like to know where that began. Like, why is the idea of a comedic song about Irish people in America constantly involving drinking and fighting and gambling and smoking? I was listening to the Blind Boy podcast a few weeks ago and he was talking about the idea of pop songs in culture. And a pop song in culture today is very different from what it was in the late 1800s to the 1920s, 1930s. Like a pop song back then, because there wasn't very much circulation of radios or anything like that, would involve the arrangement and writing of a song, the publication of it in a book and the distribution of that book around the country to middle class people who had a drawing room with a piano in it and that piano would be 
the central item in the social evenings of the middle class people in America. All the neighbours would come round, they would all sit in the drawing room, someone would play those songs on the piano and there would be a book of lyrics and someone would sing or everyone would sing. And a lot of those songs were comedic. There was serious songs, comedic songs, love songs, but the comedic songs were really the high flyers of the day. They were the ones that stood out. So this song at that time would have been considered a pop song and it would have done the rounds around America as the vaudeville acts would have played it as well. And yeah, it was, it was just one of those songs that everyone knew. And this was the original opinion that people were getting of Ireland from listening to these songs. You have your Tura Loras and your Faldi Diddleros and you have your Finnegan's Wakes, drinking, fighting, gambling, smoking. There's an ideological, like idealistic view of Ireland from over there that people love. <laughs> Live in a cottage somewhere with a beautiful red-headed woman and she's cooking the dinner and you're out baling the hay, looking after the cows. <laughs> Cutting the turf. And you, and you come in and you spend your evening playing the fiddle while she plays the concertina. Like, American people still have that idealistic view of Ireland and I think that's fantastic and it's brilliant. But then you have the likes of a movie such as The Boys and Girls from County Clare, a Hollywood movie that zooms in on an old thatched cottage and a man in a horse and cart in old clothes in the first scene of the movie and it's in the middle of nowhere and it pops up at the bottom, Clare, present day. And then you have the likes of this new movie that's after coming out and they're calling the accent police on it already because all we've seen is the trailers and Ireland is furious because it's some of the worst accents we've ever heard in our lives in terms of Irish accents. And the movie is um, The Wild Mountain Time. Yeah. Like, I know I'm complaining a lot about the stereotypes, but at the same time, what would we be without them? If they weren't there, we'd miss them. Like, we are collectively a group of everything that people believe we are as well as so much more especially when we're talking about Finnegan's Wake which is uh, a song that exists in that Americanized stereotypical uh, tourism landscape of Irish music like it is the reason that Ireland is like a, a tiny country of five million people or whatever it is has such a huge tourism industry. Mm -hmm. One of the most recognisable countries in the world. If there's people, there is an Irish pub. Like, regardless of where you are in the world. Like, I've been to, I've been to a tiny city in the mountains on the the coast of Sicily. Literally, like, built into the mountain. There was a pub called (laughs) something along the lines of, you, you get me, like... yeah. Should we even played, like, I toured all around India and in the back arse of nowhere in the middle of a city in India that you would never have even heard of, let alone visited, we were playing in Irish bars. Yeah. You know, or, or Irish events. And it's true, like, no matter where you are in the world, there's going to be Irish people. It's a beautiful thing because we're so well recognised. Like, anywhere in the world that I go, someone knows that I'm Irish and can talk about an Irish person. Yeah. An Irish celebrity or someone that they know that they love. I think it's a it's a great thing that you're from a nation that's so well loved all around the world. Most countries have traditional music, traditional drinks, traditions in general, mm-hmm. but Ireland is almost a hobby you can have. There are Irish bands all around the world. Most countries at least like most big cities around the world have 
a few Irish bands kicking about <laughs> and people playing Irish music that can go to a session. And and I started playing uh, playing Irish music here in Norway when I was 17. And it's so easy to go to a bar and set up the gear and play that music and people are instantly in that mode and they understand it and they identify it's just like when you start playing and when it's Irish music those drinks start flowing yeah and the people start smiling and the dancing starts happening and it's a very very different world when Irish music is happening around you and when there's a crowd of people like no one in that bar even needs to be Irish but if they're all relating to the Irish theme the Irish brand it's a happier place to be instantly a lot of Irish music is is obviously about about people leaving Ireland mm-hmm. and dreaming of coming back or a girl in in the old country there are very few people uh that I know that really like take their culture with them when they move to that extent mm-hmm. namely the pubs namely the uh the music and and even if you're away for a weekend Josh like imagine when we went to to Belgium that one time with mm-hmm. the Box de Gang that we play in and we went we had one a single day in Brussels and then we went mm-hmm. to an Irish bar and we sat there for at least four hours watching yeah. the rugby like people love familiarity and familiarity is something that like if you go anywhere in the world and you're not comfortable with the food you're seeing or don't know what to eat or where to go, where's the first place you're going to look for? A Mickey D's, a McDonald's, because you know what you're going to get. And I think that's something that comes along with the likes of Irish bars too. Like if you want comfort, if you want to know what you're getting and you want something familiar in a foreign place that you don't understand or recognise. I know as well, I'd be a big man for sampling everything that a place has to offer, but I will always, I will always endorse an Irish bar too. Yeah. Like on the side, because you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to feel at home. Not necessarily, a lot of Irish bars around the world are also turning into kind of UK sports bars that call themselves Irish bars. Yeah. But the genuine Irish article is, the real deal is... Something that you know where you're going to get and it really just breeds happiness in people, I think, and comfort. So people outside of Ireland obviously have a very strong idea of what Ireland is. And when they travel to Ireland, they kind of, they have expectations that doesn't necessarily, uh, <laughs> doesn't necessarily uh, uh, have any root in reality today it depends where you go and what you're looking for like there's definitely a lot of places in Ireland that are cashing in and selling in on the image when we when when we talk to people in other countries and they tell us oh I've been to Ireland I've been on the sesh in Dublin and we're like yeah Dublin isn't Ireland Dublin I love Dublin Dublin is fantastic I made a living in Dublin for years out of tourism which is amazing and yeah. it's a great place and you can't, like, you can't beat the idea of making money and making people happy in the same process. If you know what I mean. Definitely. And people want that. People are coming here for that and you're giving it to them. And there's a serious, serious tourism industry in Dublin because of that. Yeah. And some of some of the biggest money makers in this country are from that tourism. From Some people would call it selling out, but I would call it cashing in. But... um. Yeah, they come here and they'll find that. But then when they come here and they want the real Ireland, we tell them, go to Clare, go to Killarney, go to Donegal 
and you'll find underneath all the packaging and all the shininess and the leprechauns and the songs and the Molly Malones, when you delve down deeper, you're going to find the true stuff where all of that came from, like in the heart of it all. You're going to hear the real music. You're going to hear the real songs. You're going to see the people. You're going to see where they come from. And you're going to see what Ireland really is. Yeah. You know, there's there's two sides to it. There's the surface that you see that's being sold to the tourists to get them here. And then there's the real deal that's hiding underneath that you have to make an effort to see. I sound like a bored Falsha uh, ad now, but... <laughs> <laughs> Visit County Clare. <laughs> I can, I can identify very much with what you're saying. I've uh, experienced both, uh, uh, and I've experienced the tourism part of it like extensively. I think I've spent an extraordinary amount of time in Temple Bard, considering I've never actually worked there, except for <laughs> like that one gig we played. But yeah, I've I've been sitting through hours and hours and hours of your own gigs and Brian Curry's gigs. And it is really interesting to see when you know what the air quotes, uh, the real music is, then it's really interesting to see what the, that tourism package is. Because obviously you, you're trying to meet some expectations and, and the music that you might find if you walk into um, a bar in I don't know like Doolin or in in the Fecal Festival or t- during Willy Week or where people actually go because their main concern is the Irish music then it's mm-hmm. so different you you yeah. you would never walk into Shorts Bar in in Fecal and hear people playing Finnegan's Wake or Whiskey in the Jar or Molly Malone no 100% not like I f- I feel like what I what I described like the heart of that old Ireland like what's still there, that real true music is the stuff that's come through generations and generations like it's been built up from the very beginning and some of those tunes that you hear, like there's no telling how old they actually are they've come from centuries and centuries, whereas a lot of the image that's being sold to tourists the likes of the Temple Bar stuff is enjoyable foot stomping which you can do with trad music too which i very much enjoy but those songs that you're talking about the molly malones the finnegan's wakes whiskey in the jar they're all songs that have been americanized from either traveling to america and back or being written and distributed in america and made their way back like it's it's an interesting concept but a lot of what people want to hear is what they know and what they yeah. know is the mainstream stuff. So yeah. the mainstream stuff is very much... Whereas the real true folk music is a smaller niche. Some of it is mainstream and some of it's doing very well. There's some fantastic bands at the moment playing real true stuff, like really true to the music and true to the tradition. But there's nothing wrong with the other stuff either, if you ask me, because it's what people like. Who says that Finnegan's Wake wouldn't have been a good song to play? It's just that today it's it's become mm-hmm. part of sort of a different canon yeah. it's it's part of it's the si- of it's party. the sing-along foot stomping i know this song this is what i want to hear everyone's yeah. gonna laugh at this song this is great let's have a party let's sing about everyone drinking because i suppose if you're out and everyone's drinking you're gonna want to hear drinking songs yeah you know what i mean whereas if you're in the middle of a session down the country and everyone loves the heart of folk music and the real true tradition like 
you're going to want to hear the real stuff. You're going to want to hear the song from 600 years ago, that beautiful song about the soldier that ran away with the wee lass and had his way with her. <laughs> you you know yeah. what I mean, though? I like the idea of the difference between the foot stomp and head banging stuff and the gentle folk. And the gentle folk's a co- making a comeback. It's doing very well at the moment. When I first heard Finnegan's Wake, it was just a, a sheet of music that was handed to me 10 years ago when, when I first started playing in a pub band. I didn't really look too much into the lyrics. I just learned them off by heart and tried to pronounce the stuff that I didn't understand. But now that we were going to talk about it, I actually read the lyrics again for the first time in many, many years. The words in the song, Josh, I had no idea what a hod was. <laughs> we can go for this as a se- as a weekly segment. You can ask me to translate Irish American, or as I like to call it, Leprechaun Irish words or Leprechaun English. Well, hod probably isn't uh, a Leprechaun English word. It's something about bricks. Yeah. So back in the day, hod. Now, anyone that wants to disagree with me or send me an email to correct me on this, but what I gather for a hod to be from stories from my grandfather over the years, or from a song known as the Sick Note which is a great song that you can look up. A hod is like a plank of wood that you would carry across your shoulder and on both ends of that hod you would lay bricks and heavy things to carry and that way you could climb up and down ladders or up and down scaffolding with piles of bricks on your shoulder laid across a hod. The tippler's way. The tippler's way. (laughs) So when you're drinking the last sip of a lovely pint jean you have a gorgeous old pint of Guinness in your hand. And you're just after listening to Luke Kelly singing Raglan Road. And you're enjoying the pints and they're flowing and you're happy out. And you see that you're on your last sip of Guinness. And you hold it up and you look at it into the light. And you see the lovely darkness. But because it's the last sip there's also just a little bit of clearness to it. And that lovely last bit of head is dangling over the top. And what do you do to get it into your mouth? You tip the glass. You tip it into your mouth. You tip that pint glass into your mouth, you tip it, or a bottle, a lovely bottle of Huishka, Ishkebaha, you tip it into your mouth and you get that last drop. So a tippler's way, I'm tipping that pint back, I'm knocking it back. Fantastic. Then the next word is uh, the crater. The poor old crater. Oh God, he's dead, the old crater. So that's one way of putting it. It can mean many things. You can call someone your poor crater. Crater is literally uh, an old Irish way of saying creature. It would be very much a country thing, even though it's depicted as a Dublin thing there, but it would have started in the likes of East Clare out there in Fecal. Are you crater? Are you all right? But in this sense, the crater is the drink, because the drink is a mad old creature. A drop of the crater. Yeah, drop of the bit, the bit of stuff, if you know what I mean. In the famous Biddy O'Brien that we've already talked a bit about, um, mm-hmm. in, in her quote in the song, she says, such a nice clean corpse. Did you ever see Tim Maverneen? Maverneen. I have to say, I have to admit that when I first heard this song, uh, I I thought that Tim Maverneen was just another person, yes. another <laughs> character at the wake. <laughs> I love it. But Maverneen like is a word. It is and it isn't. Like that Maverneen, the way it's spelled in the song and portrayed in the song, 
is an anglicised version of Irish words. So Avornino would mean my darling. Avornin, my darling. M-H-U-I-R-N, I-F-O-D-A, N. Vornin. Whereas Mavernin, as in my darling. Whereas Mavernin in the anglicised version is probably spelled, I'm not looking at it in U-R, is probably something along the lines of M-A-V-U-R-N-E-E-N. Or something like that. That happens. That happens a lot. Even even in Ireland, there's over the years there's been a lot of anglicizations of Irish words where the word is the same word in English but spelled differently. It's just exactly the same that happened to almost every single uh, Irish city or place mm-hmm. name in general. Like even the likes of town Balia becomes Bally, B A L L Y yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. But um, yeah. Mavarnin means my darling, but if you were to translate it, it goes back to the religious thing we talked about earlier, because if you were to translate Mavarnin literally, it means my little Mary. And Mary oh. would be the mother of God, Mornin, Mwera. So the mother of God is Mwera, or Mwera, and then Mwernin would be a little one. So Mavarnin, my little Mary. <laughs> That's brilliant. Tim, my little Mary. Why did you die? <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So, Arahal Jurgob says Paddy McGee. Gob is obviously um, m- mouth or. T- mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. We're going to form a collection over the next few episodes of all these words. And at the end of the season, I'm going to give you a test. We're going to give you a little exam in Anglo Irish <laughs> words and see yeah. if you can come up with the answers. We can jump into to the non-lexicals here, Whackful the Da, which is very much related to the title of this podcast. What is the deal with the non-existing words in Irish music? So the first thing that comes to mind, which isn't entirely related to the Whackful the Diddles and the Tura Lora Laz, is the idea of lilting. And lilting was a way for the lower class people in Ireland who couldn't afford instruments to play Irish music which didn't involve words the original Irish music was composed for dancing and it was all instrumental on violins and accordions and harps and all of that so you had tunes like jigs and reels but people couldn't afford the instruments but they still wanted to join in sessions or play in house dances and be involved in the music because they loved it so they came up with a thing that at the time they called it puss music or lilting where you form sounds that sound like the instruments or sound like the music itself like diddle dee diddle do and scuttery dum dee diddle diddle do and all that kind of thing so you'd be ram diddle 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 dum diddle 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 do and all that so it was a way of performing a tune for a poor man who couldn't afford an instrument so that's where lilt, lilting originated the whackfall the diddles and all that I think might have come from that but I don't think it's the same thing. I think it's a real, again, leprechaunish, leprechaun English type of thing that originated from somewhere. And I'd love to know where, if anyone wants to write in and tell us more about the idea of leprechaun English, that would be great. But the Whackfall, the Diddles and the Tura Lura Laz, they're, like you said, non-lexical vocalist ways of expressing yeah. emotions and melodies. And they're very much related to Irish music. You have it in jazz as well. Like you have scat singing. Like it's just a very old thing. But I think that the whole American Irish thing 
the leprechaun terms as I keep calling them I think those originated in America that's my feeling on the matter if anyone wants to correct me I'd love to know but I feel that that side of it originated over there just shows up in so many songs I I can mm-hmm. think of a bunch just off the top of my head with wax and tourists and diddly <laughs> Lurus. So <laughs> it's a really interesting topic. Like there's there's a reason we named the podcast after an old Tura Lura, you know, you can't beat a good Tura Lura every now and then. Obviously, uh, Finnegan's Wake, uh, if if that wasn't already clear to you, the song is obviously the basis of James Joyce's um book by yeah. that goes by the same name, Finnegan's Wake. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read it? No, I have not. On a, on another note, while we're talking about James Joyce, I'm just going to mention, I'm not going to tell anyone anything about it, but I want you all to look up on YouTube, the James Joyce Love Letters. <laughs> Check that out. You're really going to like it. I promise. He was oh, an interesting individual and he had a bit of a tippler's way himself. Did you want to talk more about the characters? Mrs. Finnegan. Mrs. Finnegan. Was she a Nancy or a Molly? Okay, you have to give me a quick rundown of what the characteristics of a Nancy and a Molly are. Our Nancy is a bit more strong-willed than our Molly. Our Nancy is hardy, but she's lovely. And she's the one that got away, if you know what I mean. Yeah. She's, she's the one that disappeared over the sea that everyone wanted that no one had. And you never know if she's going to come back. Your Nancy is also gentle she's lovely of course there's a lot of good traits in our nancy but she's also stubborn our molly is more of a girl next door it's hard to say we know very little about mrs finnegan but uh, we can deduct a few things if we're gonna go all sherlock holmes on it she's a strong-willed woman that has been able to to kind of control this Tim Finnegan and she's made you with this this mm-hmm. drunk of a man and she's yeah I, I think she's she's a Nancy she's the leader of the house here she's holding it all together and yeah she's maintaining maintaining some order in a mad world yeah and she's running around with pipes tobacco and whiskey punch uh, she's not sitting in the corner crying like Biddy O'Brien. Mm-hmm. So I think she's a... True. One point to Nancy. And at that note, I also want to say that I'm enthusiastic to uh, the idea of a whiskey punch. So I have Googled a little bit and I have found a recipe uh, on a website called classicmixology.com called Whiskey Punch uh, Irish whiskey punch, uh, and it says that the recipe is from 1862. There is very little information, but we can imagine that this is sort of along the lines of what they were drinking. The source is the Bartender's Guide How to Mix Drinks, page 14. I have no idea. So it's <laughs> one quart of Irish whiskey, two quarts of water boiling. One pound loaf sugar and four lemons. It sounds very much like a hot whiskey, doesn't it? Similar. Sounds very similar. Listen to this. It says, this is the genuine Irish beverage. (laughs) It is generally made one third pure whiskey, two thirds boiling water in which the sugar has been dissolved. If lemon punch... Uh, 
the rind is rubbed on the sugar and a small proportion of juice added before the whiskey is poured in. Okay. We're talking a glorified hot toddy here, like a yeah. nice, sweet, hot whiskey. Yeah. It's only missing the cloves. And you can almost can almost imagine if this is the point where she's running around with pipes, tobacco and whiskey punch. It is fairly late in the evening. But wasn't Biddy at it since lunchtime? Yeah, she was. Or even from before that, actually, because before Mrs. Finnegan called for lunch, Biddy was already at the old drink. It's It seems likely. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want to write Biddy O'Brien a song. That is something that I'm going to touch on a little bit more in coming episodes. I'm going to challenge Christian to write his own versions of events. I think we should also delve into some more alcoholic recipes. Oh, and maybe even maybe even try them out and give a bit of a description. Some of the some of the famous drinks of the songs. Absolutely, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Poor old Tim Finnegan, huh? What do you think he did next? Had a a little sip of the crater in the morning, and then he went to work. I, I think that night there was probably a hell of a party in Walking Street, a binge fest. So he had a, he had a wake and then he was awake and he had another one. I very vividly imagine him after saying thundering Jesus, do you think I'm dead? He'll literally go, hand me that bottle of whiskey <laughs> and join in the party. Sounds like a good plan. I can't think of a better thing to do at that moment in time. Jesus, he was just given his life as a gift. I mean, the whiskey's a gift too. The whole song is really a gift. Makes you cherish what you have, guys, because you might be dead in the morning and alive the next evening. So, folks, we are driving on. Episode 6, we're well on the way to stardom. That's what I think, at least. What do you think, Christian? Without getting a big head about it. I I think think we're we're already stars. (laughs) We're fucking great. In the words of Christy Hennessy, just how far does it take to be a star? But, um, yeah. So, folks, you can help us on that path to enlightenment and the road to stardom. We'll have a, a star. We'll have a star with our name on it on the Hollywood Walk of Fame if you help <laughs> us out. And all we need you to do to help us make that happen is to get Tura Laura's name in lights in Hollywood. Send us a review. Where can you <laughs> review us? The main place is Apple Podcasts. Within the first eight weeks, we've been doing a bit of research, and within the first eight weeks. If we get enough reviews, that bumps us up into the old uh, search engines of all the streaming sites. <laughs> <laughs> Brain fart. <laughs> uh, which means that we don't have too much time. No, we've we've got a couple of weeks left there. and But that's not to say that it won't help at any time, of course. Like, we're happy to get any feedback at any time. And what we'd really like to get, folks, is your feedback and suggestions of songs to do and songs to work on because although there are thousands and thousands of folk songs out there that we can talk about sometimes we get little brain farts like I did a second ago and we can't think of the right one for the right moment so if you have any suggestions we will welcome them what we really want to hear is suggestions for good folk songs to talk about or topics to talk about that relate to folk songs and we also want some guests we need all of that good stuff so don't forget to send us an email podcast at gmail.com but most importantly as I said already is that sweet 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 review and those <laughs> lovely stars on Apple Podcasts so get in there I think we have a few already do we Christian? 
We do. We have gotten a lovely review from uh, my uh, friend Richard Phillips in the United States, former pipe band comrade of mine. He really nice of you, Richard. Great podcast, he says. Um, for anyone who loves Ireland and Irish music, conversation, history, humour and music. This podcast has it all. Check it out today. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> I like it. I like it. People that love Ireland and folk music. That sounds like us. It does, doesn't it? I think, Did I you think have, we're heading in the right direction. Well? Uh, there's a few here. There's the, the interesting thing about this is that every country only shows that country's reviews, which is really interesting. But um, we have a brand new review as of Monday and we got a few stars from the lovely Mary O'Mahony. Thank you so much, Mary, for writing into us. She said, exploring folk songs is such a great idea. There's honesty in folk songs and there's an honesty in this podcast. Good stuff. Do you think we're honest, Christian? Except for when I said we're stars. <laughs> we're trying. We're doing our best, to be honest. And if you feel like we're dishonest, uh, it's probably just that we're uh, not knowledgeable enough and then I think you should just write us in and correct us. As we and said in our first episode, folks, we are friends that talk shite about songs and we said we may as well record it and put it out there for everyone to hear. So <laughs> we're delighted that people are actually listening and enjoying and we're happy to be getting feedback in word of mouth and online and in all kinds of ways. So we're actually very, very happy to be hearing from you folks and we want to hear from you more. Whether it's given out or praise or anything at all, we can handle it, I promise. And as always, don't forget to hit us up on Facebook and Instagram and all of those good places. I wasn't going to, I was going to say Tinder, but I say that too often. Thanks a million for tuning in, folks. And we're delighted, as always, to have you listening to us, especially for this episode. It was an interesting one because it's the first one we recorded and we were in two minds as to release it. But I think it worked out fairly well. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Slon. Slon foil. Just before we finish.